Hello, and welcome to Woes of a Witch podcast. I'm your host, Emma Westbrook. I'm a magical mentor, tarot diviner, and psychic witch of over 10 years. Here on Woes of a Witch podcast, I like to share with you aspects of my magical journey. I answer your witch woes, giving you insight and help on living your best magical life. And in general, I just like to cultivate a space where we talk about magic and think about magic. So welcome to that space. I'm so glad you're here. And I thank you so much for listening. Hello, and welcome back to Rose of a Witch podcast. I'm excited to be here with you all today on September 1st. I cannot believe it is September 1st. I'm pretty excited. Um, I love September. I love summer as well. I'm a huge fan of the beach and just all the goodness that comes with summer. Um, More ease, more relaxation, which honestly, you know... I think, like, culturally, at least where I live um, in New York, we are, you know, and I guess this this is maybe something that is nationally as well, like, within the United States, but I do specifically feel like it's more enforced in New York. Could be because I live here, but (laughs) there is this idea that, like, summer is, like, slower and more chill, and it's, like, I don't know, under capitalism, things are always crazy, and also you know, our bodies up and flow at different moments. So as much as I believe in ebbing and flowing with the seasons, I don't always believe that our Western interpretation of that is accurate. So, you know, I say all this to say, I love summer. I'm going to miss it. Do I think it was relaxing? Mm maybe not. (laughs) I think a lot of times I find winter to be more relaxing because it's colder. I'm doing less things. Um, and I'm more drawn to staying in the home, um, being cozier. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like I'm starting off this episode on a very like, um, what is the right word? a questioning type of energy, a discerning energy, which is kind of what this episode is going to be about. Um, In this episode, I'm going to share with you some common witchy and tarot misconceptions that I come across a lot. Um, Just being a witch, a practitioner, um, a tarot reader, a magical mentor. These are things that I feel like come up quite often Um, and I just thought it would be a fun episode to just talk about like certain things that are, I guess like, it's kind of like a, a witchy myth busters episode. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's a witchy, a witchy myth. Oh my God. Mercury is getting me Mercury. I knew that recording this episode during Mercury retrograde, I was like, Ooh, I don't know. But also since Mercury has entered retrograde, I've had, I've been having a lot of ideas for podcast episodes. So I wanted to go with that. Um, Mercury would definitely be the planet that rules over podcasts. And also I feel like Mercury would rule over myth busting because like, there's a little bit of like trickster element to that. And I do feel like the truth, um, 
whatever that means. <laughs> but I do feel like the truth does resonate with mercurial energy. So anyway, let's get into it. So speaking of Mercury retrograde, um, we are in Mercury retrograde. We will be for about another two weeks. Um, and one of my myths, one of my misconceptions <laughs> um, has to do with Mercury retrograde. So I guess we'll start there. So I think a lot of practitioners, um, witchy people in general, like, well, okay, I guess like I had something I was going to talk about, but I think like if in general we're talking about retrogrades and I also want to, you know, this theory, this concept ties in with eclipses, um, <clears throat> people get very nervous, very scared of a retrograde and of course an eclipse, a hundred percent, like people get very nervous about this. And I think that that in itself is a conception that we need to pull back. Um, retrogrades are not scary. They're annoying at worst, but truly they're not scary. They're really a lovely opportunity to heal. A retrograde is when a planet appears to be moving backwards because the degrees in which it moves through goes backwards. Um, and it represents a time in which we're meant to reflect and rest and really review and process the past. And I think retrogrades are a really lovely reminder that it's important to reflect on the things that we do in life. You know, I always feel that even when I don't have something major going on in my life, um, when I have therapy and I have the space to just reflect upon my week or my circumstances, you know, kind of out loud with another person in this mercurial space, um, there's always healing that comes from that. And, I think that therapy is this constant reminder for me, a weekly reminder for me that I need to do that and that it's so important. And, you know, retrogrades are that same type of energy. It's like this reminder that we have to look back on how far we've come. Otherwise, we're just going to keep going and going and going. And we're never going to realize, um, you know, things about how we feel, about what we experienced. Um, we're never going to be able to shift our perspective on the past. We're never going to be able to heal the past. So firstly, don't be scared of retrogrades. <clears throat> Second, I think a lot of people feel like you can't do anything during a retrograde. And of course, there are certain things that are better to wait post retrograde. But I also think like, you know, I, th I think that it was Jessica Lignato that had put it this way, and I'm absolutely paraphrasing her wise words, but, you know, she mentioned something about, like, astrology reports are like the weather, and let's say a retrograde means rain. And I do think that's a really fair um, analogy. Like, a retrograde is not a tsunami. It is a rain, you know? It's something that happens very often, truly very often, um, that we just move through. And yeah, it shifts our day a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit of a bummer. Maybe we got to bring an umbrella or something, but ultimately it's not the end of the world. Um, so anyway, so Jessica Lignato, who's amazing and very, very wise, and you should totally be learning astrology from her. Um, she spoke about how, you know, you're not going to not go out because it's raining. And it's the same thing with retrogrades. You're not going to not do things because there's a retrograde. Like you're going to bring your umbrella. You're going to 
bring a range out. You know, you're going to prepare yourself because you're aware of it, but you're not going to like completely change your life. Like, yeah, maybe you're not going to go sit at the beach in the rain. <laughs> of course not. I mean, or maybe you are, I don't know, <laughs> but like, so there are certain things that, yeah, are not the greatest thing to do during a retrograde. And some of those things are, you know, signing really serious contracts or, you know, um, doing like launching something like super technical, like at my job recently, we did this like video. Um, we, we used like a video to record like a new collection that we were doing. And there was a bunch of little mishaps that happened in the video. And I was just like, this is so Mercury retrograde, you know? And again, it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst thing ever, but like, yeah, maybe it could have been a little bit more smooth if we did it after the retrograde or before the retrograde, you know? So don't fear the retrograde and don't feel like you can't do things during it. Particularly what I want to talk about is that people feel like they can't do magic during a retrograde and also an eclipse. So we'll finish talking about the retrogrades and then we'll get into the eclipses because they are very different, but they both have this connotation that like, this is bad. This is scary. I can't do anything. I'm not in control. Um, and you know, specifically with magic, sorry, just drinking some tea. I feel like September 1st, I'm like, okay, it's officially tea season. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that you can do magic during a retrograde, 100%, especially if that magic has to do with the things that you're reflecting on, the things that you're healing, the things that you are using the retrograde themes for. So for example, you know, Venus is also in retrograde. I think like we hear as a society about Mercury retrograde a lot and it's more talked about, it's more frequent, it happens more often. Um, and because Mercury rules things like technology in such a modern age, we feel it a little bit more. Um, or at least we perceive that we feel it a little bit more because technology is interwoven into our everyday. And of course, the themes of Venus, like relationship and values and love and beauty are also interwoven within every day. But it's, it just seems to kind of take a little bit of a backseat, I think, for the masses. But we're also in a Venus retrograde and Venus is about to finish her, her retrograde very soon. Um, and for me, this retrograde has been happening in a part of my chart that really deals with um, my spiritual self and my spiritual practices and the things in which I learn and explore and teach in a spiritual way. So for me, like if I'm doing like a spell to kind of like work with some of the knowledge, like one of the things that I've been learning more about during this Venus retrograde is plant magic. So if I'm doing a spell to explore my plant magic, which is like aligned with the retrograde theme, like that's fine for sure. Whatever, you know, like there's, there's nothing to it. Like just do it. <laughs> but I think that, you know, if you are, it's kind of similar to like, you know, the things in what you're going to do is you're going to adapt the spells in what you're going to do based on the retrograde and the eclipses, if that applies to you, if that is applicable to where this is happening in your chart, you know, like for me with the Mercury retrograde, like I'm not feeling it, knock on wood, <laughs> I'm not feeling it so potently in my chart. Um, I'm feeling it on a, a more mass scale, like with little issues, technology issues, like typical Mercury retrograde issues, but I'm not feeling where it's in my chart, which is in my career. Um, I'm not really feeling that. 
right now. And so because I'm not feeling it, I'm not going to like not do spells about my career during Mercury retrograde, you know? So again, just kind of like, I think the, the you know, the theme of this episode is yes, I'm going to be going through these different kind of conceptions that we have um, about magic, but really the theme is just like discernment. And I think that when you're a magical practitioner, when you are just a person, really, it doesn't really apply to magic, but I think with magic more so it's, it's, it should be in the forefront of your mind, but discernment is one of those things that like, I feel like I didn't really learn until I got a little bit older in my life. And like, I think everything that every information that's being given to you, like, needs to be filtered through discernment. And I think like, it's not to be, it's not to argue or disagree or, you know, oppose things that are being said to you, but just to have um, a filter where you're like, do I resonate with this? Or am I just, uh, am I just internalizing someone else's thoughts, you know? And I, I definitely encourage you to do that with this episode. Like, this is a really great practice in that is like, hear what I'm saying, hear me out. And if you don't agree, that's great. I would love that. <laughs> I just feel like these are things that I, I feel and I, I feel called to share them. And I'm sure some people will agree with me and some people won't. And like, that's totally okay. I think like discourse um, in theory and belief is a huge part of spirituality and it's a vital part of a thriving spiritual practice. Okay. So moving on to eclipses, kind of same theme, like bad time to do magic. Eclipses are more turbulent. You know, if retrogrades are rain, eclipses are a snowstorm. Um, and I personally do feel that within an eclipse, we're meant to surrender. Does that mean I'm not going to do any magic whatsoever during eclipse season, which is typically like one to one to three months? No, it doesn't. But I'm not going to like totally try to, you know, if I feel the turbulent energy, I'm not going to try to push it away. I'm not going to try to oppose it. I'm just going to, uh, typically during eclipse season, like I do a lot of protection magic. I do a lot of work on surrendering and figuring out what I want because what I want and the universe wants for me very often does kind of come together. But sometimes there's some layers of, ego or shadow that's kind of blocking that uh, connection. So I think that that's more of the work that I do. And so I think like maybe you've noticed that both within the retrograde and the eclipses, I haven't necessarily spoken about manifesting. Um, and I don't think either of them are ideal times to do manifestations. Have I never done a manifestation during a retrograde or an eclipse? Absolutely not. I have totally have done it and I'm sure it worked and I'm sure it was fine. Like, you know, I don't remember it. So it obviously didn't like stick out in, in my magical history. I mean, I've been practicing witchcraft for a decade, so I'm sure I've done it, especially before I knew a lot about astrology. And I think that that's also something in itself, right? Is like, there's tons of witches that don't know about astrology or people who practice magic <clears throat> or any type of spiritual practice that are not... Um, aware that these things are happening and does that change things? I think when you're aware of it and you ignore it, it changes it because it's part of your reality. Whereas if you're completely unaware of it, I think it's less effective to you. Um, personally, that's what I think. 
So this kind of brings me to my next myth buster point, which is that magic is manifesting. Um, and it is for sure. Magic is man or manifesting is a part of magic. But I think a lot of people believe unconsciously, um, especially people that don't practice magic, I think, or, you know, maybe it's equal. I don't know. But I think a lot of people believe that magic, the only time you can do ritual, the only time you can do a spell is if you want to manifest something um, or that that's only it's the only use for spell work is to manifest. And that is so, 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 so not true. And I definitely have spoken about this before. Um, I think on the podcast and definitely on my Instagram is like, I think this idea that manifesting is the only type of magic, like really, really takes us away of like the roots of our magical practice and like the point of a spiritual system to help you heal and to help you process and to help you, you know, feel comforted in this world you know that's what magic is to me is like a warm blanket um in which i can cuddle up in and and protect myself and nurture myself and care for myself as i move through life um and i think that it makes me really sad when, <laughs> when people think that you know magic is only manifesting i think it's so 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 much a result of internalized capitalism of just like want more like we always need we need more we want more and i'm again i'm not hating on manifesting at all like i'm really not like i love to manifest it's great it's such an amazing part of magic is the power to call in your desire but it's not all that's there like and i think like if you are having if you're listening to this and you're like oh my god i'm realizing my practice is like a lot of manifesting and like not a lot like i really invite you to explore different types of spell work, explore different types of ritual and like really just like be in a ritual to be in connection to the universe, yourself, your guides, your ancestors, whatever spirits or energies that you work with, you know, like ritual is a place of connection and it just adds like multitudes of layers to your practice to have something other than manifestations happening and other practices other than manifestations happening. So yeah. Um, okay. My next myth, witchy myth buster, is also kind of about timing of magic, um, which has to do with like the, the moons, the moon phases, the full and the new moon. Um, I think people, I think like a lot of people who just start practicing magic, like the moons can be like a real big stressor. <laughs> I have had so many like mentees or, you know, even just people that I talk to about their practice, like so many people have come to me and been like, oh my God, like I feel so bad about not being able to do something on, you know, the new moon or the full moon, or I feel so, um, stressed out like i don't know what to do like it's it's kind of this like you know we have a new moon and a full moon every month so it's like two points in the month like two specific days right they kind of add a little bit of pressure i think for people people who want to get into magic or just started getting into magic, or even you know seasoned witches for sure like i feel that people have this conception 
this misconception that you have to use every single moon. And if you don't do it on the exact day of the moon, it's not going to work. And if you don't do it, you're a bad witch and you, you're not, you're not doing it. You're not getting your shit together. You're not doing the thing. You're not doing magic. I think like, that's the, that's the narrative that the inner critic kind of takes on is like you lazy little witch, you didn't do your moon spell. Get out of here. <laughs> um, which is so not true. Let's, let's clear that totally. Like, first of all, if you are super into astrology, you know that not every new moon or full moon is a good one to work with for magic. Like eclipses and retrogrades, we have different moments astrologically that are more auspicious for different types of spells. Again, depending on what type of magic that it is you're doing. So that's just, you know, starting off there. Um, second, there's this, you know, the pr I want to address like the pressure part of it, right? Is like that you have to do something. It's like, you don't have to do anything. You like, that's the whole point of magic and creating your own spiritual practice is like, you're rejecting dogma. You're rejecting rules to a certain extent. And like, this is your practice to explore and empower yourself um, and to create your own ways of doing things. And the center of your practice should be nurturing and healing for yourself and others. And if you're not feeling up to it because the full moon, like for example, this blue full moon in Pisces that we just had really fucking knocked me out. <laughs> like it was, it was intense. Um, and I had, you know, my ritual that I do in my coven, um, my Patreon coven where I hold ritual every month, we had done that on the blue moon and it was lovely. And I had every intention of doing my own private ritual after, and I was just completely exhausted and I just did not do it. And, you know, this, this was a special one, a blue moon, a blue moon special, and I didn't celebrate it. And I am so happy to say that I didn't feel any guilt about that. I am at a point in my practice where I don't feel that anymore. And that is so freeing. Um, of course, there were things that I did to honor it, but I didn't get to be in private ritual with myself, which is my favorite magical thing to do. Um, but that's okay. You know, I, I think like uh, specifically for me, and I, I'm sure this will resonate for a lot of people. Um, I am a person that deals with chronic pain and I'm also, I, I'm sure you can hear my voice having a, a cold right now. And so it was just not an option for me. It was just not an option for me to exert that energy more than I had already exerted. Um, and it definitely made me feel a little sad. It bummed me out, felt a little disappointed, but I wasn't angry at myself. I wasn't putting the blame on myself. And that is for me, definitely a big moment of growth because I used to feel this way too, when I first started practicing. Um, so yeah. So just kind of going back to the, you know, the misconception that we're talking about is that you have to do magic on the new and the full moons. You have to utilize them. And if you don't, you know, you're fucked, <laughs> which is not true. I also just want to bring up that like, the moon stays full for a few days, you know, like the day before the moon, the day after the full moon, the day of the full moon. Those are all important moments. Sorry, there is a truck passing me. I don't know if you can hear it, but just disclaimer if you can. Um, 
And the same with the new moon, like the day before and the day after are really powerful days. And a lot of times I'll choose to work with those instead, especially let's say for like a full moon, I want to work on like some sort of releasing. I'm going to pick the day right after, or maybe even the day after that, because the moon starts to wane a little bit at that moment. And so the moon is releasing and I'm releasing. So that's also something to just keep in mind is like, you know, there might even be a better day to work on what you're doing other than the fuller, the new moon. Okay. So my next point, um, I feel like might be a little controversial, <laughs> um, but that's okay. You know, that's what we're doing. Um, so my next claim that I want to make is that healers do not exist. And like everything in this episode, I want you to use discernment with this, but like, I really just don't believe that there are certain people out here in this world who can just heal others. I think we all have the ability to heal ourselves and to heal others. I think people can facilitate healing, but I don't think that they can heal someone else. Um, and I say this as a person who is an energy healer, is a magical mentor, is a tarot reader, is someone that holds ritual for community and other people. Like, you know, I really, really feel this way. And I hope that all my clients and, you know, community members feel this way too when entering a magical space with me is like, I love to facilitate the space and the prompts for you to heal yourself. And that is, I think, personally, a really big green flag <laughs> um, for any practitioner. I think if you have someone who claims that they can heal you and don't ever, you know, kind of um, like, you know, I've had clients like at the end of mentorship sessions and mentorship um, programs be like, oh my God, thank you. Like you did all these things for me. And I'm always like, you did those things. Like you did that for yourself. And like, yes, I helped get you there, but you did it. You're the one that did it. You're the healer. You're the witch. And I think like we can all access that in ourselves. Um, so I just don't want anyone to ever get into a situation where they're being told by another practitioner or, you know, worst case scenario, a, a scammer even that they can be healed. Um, they can heal you, especially for like large amounts of money. I think that this is something so important to keep in mind when we're exploring spiritual spaces um, is that there unfortunately are people who take advantage um, of services like this and, and healing places. And, you know, I, you know, I've had many people in my life come to me and be like, this person said this to me, what do you think about that? Like, does that make sense? Like they want me to pay them $2,000 to remove this curse from me. And I'm like, no, don't do it. Do not do it. Do this instead. You know, like I truly believe that we, you know, and I'm not saying like, this is not like a individuality claim, right? Like this is not about like you only doing magic alone. Like I think like community is so important working with guides and mentors and friends and coven members like is so important. But like, I just don't want anyone to think that like they don't have the power to heal themselves or that someone can heal them better than themselves. You know, it's kind of like, again, you know, I'm bringing this back to therapy. 
because magic and mental health always go hand in hand, but like, you know, my therapist and hopefully your therapist as well, never says like, oh, I healed this client. Like also, you know, healing is not like, you can never be healed. We're always healing all the time. Like we're always going through moments of healing and we're always on this journey of healing and you can never be healed. So let's just get that out of the way as well. <laughs> um, but you know, my therapist is never like, oh, I'm healing Emma. Like, you know, I'm coming to my own conclusions with my therapist's help that is healing. And my therapist is of course holding healing space and helping get me there. But like, I'm doing the work and so are you in your therapy sessions, in your magical practice, when you're, you know, in spiritual spaces, like you are co-creating, but you're in the lead, you know, you're, you're doing the thing, you're doing the healing. This also brings me to the idea that not everybody is a witch or is magical. And I totally agree that like not everybody decides to walk this path, of course. And I think it is something you have to claim and commit to. But I think the innate magical and psychic ability is within everybody. And that is such a cornerstone of my practice and my business um, is that I believe everybody has the ability to access their own magic. Um, I believe we all have magic in us. I believe we all have psychic ability in us. Um, these are tools in which we can grow and cultivate with learning, with education and study, um, with commitment and with excitement. You know, like if you want to be a witch, if you want to be a psychic, you fucking can. You just have to commit to learning more about that and exploring that more. And that is truly something I believe. And I know that there's a lot of witches that don't feel that way, that think like, oh, not everybody is meant to be a witch. Not everybody can be a witch. And, you know, I just don't, I don't think that's true. Like, I, I think like so much of magic historically has been horribly, horribly gatekept. And I think a lot of, you know, the misconceptions that I'm talking about do kind of, if we, we travel them back in time, um, in a way I'm sure root back to historical occult cis male, cis white male driven societies, gatekeeping magic. And like, I am just so anti that like ev magic is for everybody. Magic is accessible to everybody. Um, I really think like that, magic should be something that can be healing, especially for people who have had um, like negative experiences with organized, dogmatic, probably Abrahamic religions, um, because it does give you this freedom and exploration and it does help you connect on a more personal level to your spirituality. And so it makes me yeah. I mean, I'm getting into something else. <laughs> I'm getting into something else and I'm going to reel it back. But essentially, you have the ability to heal yourself. You have the ability to be a witch. You have the ability to be a psychic. You just have to explore that. And it's, I, again, I don't want this to sound like I'm like, oh, like you can just decide you're psychic and that's it. Like, no, like that is something there's, there is education that needs to be had. There is commitment that needs to be had. There is growth that needs to be had. And 
if that's something you want to commit to, then you should. And that's lovely. Okay. I think we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on from this one. Um, I now want to, I'm going to shift. Like, I feel like a lot of the ones I've been talking about have to do with magic. And now I want to shift into some more tarot misconceptions because I, you know, as a reader, I hear a lot of these, like so many. And this episode was actually prompted by an event that I had done recently where like two people had, had brought up to me two of the misconceptions that I'm going to mention. And I was just like, I have so many thoughts on these. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to make a podcast episode about this. So, you know, in the same breath as we're talking about magic being gatekept, um, of course, tarot is a part of that. And the number one gatekeepy tarot misconception myth is that you cannot buy your own tarot deck. I have always, always, always rejected this before I even took the time to unravel the threads of gatekeeping within it. <laughs> I've always rejected this and I do not agree with it whatsoever. Again, as I'm saying, like, if you want to be a psychic, if you want to be a tarot reader, and then you're like, oh my God, but I can't buy my own deck. Like, what does that do for you? It puts you nowhere. And it makes you believe that you can't access these things, that, you know, you are stuck behind this gate. So I totally do not believe that whatsoever. I think the idea of like buying someone a deck is very sweet, but personally, a deck is so intimate. I really want to pick out my own deck, especially a first deck. You know, I think like that's the the, mo the most common time that people talk about not being able to buy your own deck is like your first tarot deck, um, which feels very like virginity, virginity trauma type of <laughs> um, uh, like themes like, oh, like you your virginity has to be really special. And then after that, you could do whatever the fuck you want. Like your first tarot deck has to be a gift, but then after that, you could do whatever the fuck you want. And I'm just like, absolutely not, no. <laughs> so um, I do have some virginity trauma. Can you guys tell? Uh, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I think you can absolutely buy your own deck. You can absolutely buy many decks for yourself. <laughs> you know, if you want to start reading tarot, if you want to start learning tarot, get yourself a deck. Like, don't feel like you can't. Like, I feel like that's such a silly superstition, but I, I get why it exists because it really does root within this old ancient vibe of like magic is not for everybody, which again, that's not what we're about here on Woes of a Witch podcast whatsoever. Um, the next uh, tarot misconception that I want to talk about is getting the high priestess in a reading means that you are psychic. So we kind of already talked about this. Like, again, I think everybody's psychic. So that's just something that you have to tap into. And if you want to, then you're psychic. If you don't, then you don't say that you're psychic, but you have psychic ability. <laughs> um, but getting the high priestess in a reading, like, does not mean you're psychic. I don't believe that. Again, like, I believe everybody's psychic, but like the high priestess, is a very spiritual card like she herself is a psychic and it represents like an intuitive energy a moment in which we are connected to our intuition in which we're connected to our magic and our psychic ability but you know when you're getting a tarot reading you're not like at least the way i read um i'm not like reading 
someone's soul. It's not like a birth chart reading, you know, where I'm like looking at who you are as a person. Um, I'm looking at a circumstance. I'm looking at a pattern. I'm looking at a theme. I'm looking at what's going on in your life. Um, and of course there's internal themes within that, but I'm not going to be like, you are a very determined person because I have the emperor, you know, like it's just not, um, it's not the way in which tarot is read. And it's also just like, yeah, I mean, the high priestess is one of many cards. Like you, you could get the same card every single time that you get a reading in your entire life. And does that mean something for you? Yeah, for sure. It's something that you should look into. You should connect to the themes of, you should explore, but you know, yeah, I don't believe that the, the high priestess being pulled in a tarot reading means that you're psychic. Don't believe it. Okay. And so this brings me to my final tarot and just final witchy misconception um, in general, which is about tarot reversals, which I love to talk about. People are constantly asking me about reversals. And if you've um, taken my tarot class, like if you've learned tarot from me, you know, I'm very passionate about reversals. I talk about them a lot. Um, and I've actually been really thinking for a while now that I would like to do like a one-off reversal workshop. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely let me know. Um, because at the moment I'm not teaching tarot, which might change. Um, but at the moment I'm not teaching tarot, but I do think in general, like, even if you know tarot, like reversal reversals, uh, can be a moment of questioning for you. So yeah, let me know if you want to know more about that. But essentially the myth that I'm going to the tarot myth I'm going to bust is that reversals mean the opposite of the card. No, absolutely not. Shutting it down. Don't believe it. Um, and my argument for this is I have many, but my main argument for this is that so much of what makes tarot special and what I love about it is that it's artwork and within the artwork of the cards, after you kind of learn the traditional meaning you can always explore more through scrying into the artwork. And when a card is reversed, the artwork is upside down. It's not changed. So it doesn't mean that it's opposite. It's still the same artwork. It's still there. It's just, you're looking at it from a different perspective. Um, so, you know, for the Ace of Pentacles, let's say, as an example, the Ace of Pentacles typically means a new opportunity in the realm of Pentacles. So in the realm of Earth, like maybe some new money that's coming to you, a new job, a new home, new grounding practice or a moment of stability, um, just a time in your life where you feel really grounded and really like there's a lot of opportunity coming to you. If I take the Ace of Pentacles and I turn it upside down, does it mean that you have no new opportunities? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like it's, you're still being handed a pentacle. It's just upside down. So I totally don't believe that. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about what I do believe about reversals, which stay tuned. There might be a reversal workshop coming soon, but um, I don't believe that they're opposites. And I think that that in itself really discourages people from learning reversals or using reversals or even learning tarot. It's like, oh my God, I have to learn I'm really blanking on the amount of tarot cards. I want to say 78. This is, yeah. I, I feel like this is just shows like the type of um, magical practitioner I am. Like I'm, not, I'm really not uh, so in the leaves. I'm in the trees. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it really discourages people to be like, oh my God, I have to learn 78 cards 
plus all of the reversals, like it blows their mind. They're like so nervous about it. And I've had so many students in which I've taught tarot to, or people that I've mentored, people I've given readings to that freak out about reversals. Like reversals are the mercury retrograde of tarot, 100%. People are like, but it's reversed. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and it's like, I've had so many clients in readings be like, it's reversed. They're all reversed. What does it mean? And they're like so nervous. And I'm like, it's nothing bad at all. Like, I don't think they're negative. I don't think they're bad. I think it's just a shift in perspective um and that's it that's it that's all they are and so i hope that you know some of this was helpful for you in you know maybe some of these witchy tarot myths or things that you've heard before and i hope hearing my perspective on them helps open your eyes and helps you you know discern when certain themes like this or ideas like this get brought up um, I would absolutely love to, if you have any other kind of things that you've heard, like kind of like rules or suspicions or myths that you've heard about tarot or magic that you'd like me to speak on, I would love to do that. So definitely send me a message, um, either on Instagram or you can email me. Um, all of that information will be in the show notes, but I'd love to talk about that. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you have a absolutely lovely beginning of September and we will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Voice of a Witch podcast. If you like the episode, please subscribe so you can be notified every time there's a new episode that comes out. If you like learning from me and hearing me chat about magic, I highly encourage you to join my coven. We meet every month on Zoom for a group ritual or workshop and a group psychic reading. And in between those meetings, we talk about different magical themes in the Patreon. I upload tarot and journal prompts for you to work with the themes we're talking about every single month. And it's really a lovely space. If you're looking for a more intimate, magical experience, my books are open for September for tarot and energy healing sessions. I'm offering sessions on Zoom and limited sessions in person if you are located in New York. If you're interested in booking an in-session person, please reach out to me directly. And finally, if you're looking for more of a serious commitment to a magical journey with me being your mentor. My books are open for magical mentorship. I am going to be launching my new magical mentorship program, Welcoming the Witch, officially in a few days, but the information is all on my website and I'd love to have you explore it. In general, I'd love to have you explore my website because it's a new website. <laughs> um, and there you can find all types of information about me and the type of practitioner that I am. You can shop a bunch of recorded classes. You can learn more about my coven. You can learn more about my magical mentorship programs. And you can read a bunch of client testimonials. So I hope you enjoyed being here with me today. And I'm wishing you the most magical rest of your day.